Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. Each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? So, welcome, friends, to a new episode of uh, Soul Kitchen. Today, I'm talking with uh, Carline, that you might have met already in um, episode seven. She is um, uh, the founder of the On Purpose Studio, a studio online, actually, uh, where she helps people to live on purpose. And um, the first episode was around personal leadership and uh, purpose. And the episode has been the most uh, popular so far. So it's clearly a sign that these topics uh, resonate with people or at least with the people listening to this podcast. And that's why I asked Caroline uh, to come back again. And the topic of today is how to design your day on purpose. And why I was interested in this topic myself, because I feel for a long time my days were very busy, not a lot of free time, working a lot, maybe some unhealthy habits. And um, a few years ago, I started redesigning my life, um, of which I'm quite happy. But my days sometimes are still still busy and, and still some habits that I w- would like to change. And Carline um, started a new course on how to design your day on purpose that I also took. So today we will talk about her new course and some uh, some wisdom on how to de- design your day on purpose um yeah how are you nowadays uh, caroline yeah good i'm doing good i'm excited to be back it's really nice to have this this conversation and uh, to have a short version this time and focused on a program um, that you actually did at the on purpose studio so that's really really cool thanks for for joining the program and thanks for inviting me mm-hmm. So a few years ago, you started this uh, uh, studio. I think because of COVID, it became more accepted um, to work online, maybe to start businesses online, to have programs online. So I think yeah. you made good use of the uh, circumstances. But how do you look back at the first few years of your new life, uh, including your new studio? Um, yeah, so it's been already three years now that we set, we set it up. So we decided to start the On Purpose Studio three and a half years ago, first focusing on uh, B2B only, and then because of COVID, switched also B2C. And it's been uh, quite a ride. Um, it, it was, it's really cool to bring together people from different places in the world and to see that a lot of our fears and hopes and, and dreams and doubts are universal. So that's something I never expected up front, that we would gain that through the program. But it, it, by being in a group together with people from the Netherlands, Australia, South Africa, Canada, wherever. Um, and that we're so similar. We're all so human. The, the things we are, our challenge, the challenges we're facing. Um, so that's on the one hand. And on the other hand, this, this mission of bringing like, less ego uh, to work, more freedom, 
um, has also been a really good reminder for myself to, to practice what I preach every day. And um, it has facilitated my own freedom. I mean, I was able to move to Portugal and to live off grid. And then some days I work here where I am now, where I, um, um, where I record things, where I have these kind of interviews. So it has been quite a journey for me. This, this past three years of letting go of my own layers of, of ego continuously, like an onion, <laughs> um, and living, um, uh, yeah, in, in a very, how say, simple, simple life, a lot outside, and I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. So you mentioned that people from all over the world have similar fears, hopes, dreams, and doubts. Can you elaborate a bit on the uh, the fact that those things are so universal across cultures and languages? Yeah. Yeah, it's and across ages as well, and uh, different titles, and um, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of us have fears like I can't do it, or um, I'm not good enough, or I'll be rejected. I'm afraid to be alone. There are such um, yeah basic human fears, let's say, that we all experience, and the more we feel isolated in the fear, the more that grows, and the more we are open about it and share it and look at it from a different angle, it dissolves more and more. Yeah. Mm. And um, what type of fears do you address during your, um, uh, your current program also around designing your day or habit change? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. I think it's when it comes to designing your day, um, it's not so much related to, discipline or willpower in that sense to do the things that are important to you it's more it's it's a level deeper it's a layer deeper it's more about what you allow yourself to feel so a lot of people don't allow themselves to rest don't allow themselves to not compete uh, don't allow themselves to enjoy there's a fear that if i would rest i'm i'm maybe lazier i'm not good enough or if i don't compete i'll lose right that there's this fears that drive us and that are actually in our way because when you take time in the day to to rest or to enjoy it benefits your your work um so it's not that uh that you have to be okay with being lazy it's about looking differently at these limiting beliefs that we are taught and many of us are taught in our society hmm. i think that's an interesting topic because i recognize that when i do nothing I, the mind starts thinking about another to-do that I have to do, or I feel that I'm a bit bored. Like yesterday evening, I had nothing to do. I was on the beach. And then I was thinking about this course, actually, because some of your theories pop by. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a moment where I can just be and relax and not um, think that I have to do something else. I think in my case, my grandmother, for instance, and grandfather, they, they've really taught me, you know, to always be productive, to strive for more, to do good in society. So I think it comes a bit from, from that. Um, but yeah, designing your day is part of uh, living on purpose and also, also personal leadership. And that was kind of the title of our first episode uh, with you. And um, now I've already produced, I think, 46 episodes, four seasons. And yours has, uh, one that has been the one that is most listened to. What has that uh, meant uh, to you or what does it uh, tell you? Or maybe you're indifferent about it. I'm curious to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, I try not to focus much on numbers like that. But yeah, it's, 
it's um, it's interesting that it resonates with with so much people, so many people. These these topics. I mean, if you look at the list of guests you have, there are plenty of people way more interesting than than I am. <laughs> um, and uh, but I guess I'm just saying things that are uh, uh, that are relevant and that I talk about it in a very uh, truthful and authentic way. Let's say close to close to my heart, and maybe that resonates with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. It's, uh, it's the authenticity and uh, it's close to your heart. Um, but it's also maybe because it's so um, uh, practical for people to apply. You know, some of the other topics are maybe philosophical, but yours is really how do you live your day? And it's kind of yeah. everyone can uh, apply it. So why isn't is it not like a course at a at school or at university or why are you one of the first ones offering this at least from what i've seen so far yeah uh good question yeah it would be cool right <laughs> if you had this in school it would be nice <laughs> have uh, so many classes in in school like uh, being aware of your like fears and ego modes but also meditation and maybe designing your day finances a lot of things we, we should add but um yeah, I felt, I mean, I, it's funny, with that's often with a thing that's like your talent, you don't think it's that special. So for me, it's always been very normal, let's say, to to design my day this way. I didn't think it's special. I think everybody does it. Right? That's what I thought. <laughs> um, and then when you start talking about, you know, just, uh, people start asking questions and wanted to know more. And then I thought, yeah, why not share this thing that brings me a lot of joy and freedom and and helps me achieve my goals and my dreams um, in a healthy way. So I thought, yeah, why not create a course and, and share it in a very practical way? Because that's, um, I think, for me, very important that that it's not a conceptual, theoretical thing or that it's um, uh, pointing on uh, that habits is all a matter of mindset and we just have to push through and... Uh, uh, be disciplined and otherwise you know you make yourself feel otherwise you blame yourself for being lazy and then all these things just become an extra thing in your to-do list which add to a lot of stress mm. because you can do you can wake up in the morning do 10 minutes of meditation 10 minutes of exercise 10 minutes of reading <laughs> and not benefit from it at all because you're like rushing through it because you feel you have to do it right it's it's the, it's like the same thing, but different intention, and it's a different experience. And um, that I hope to to share some different, yeah, new light on on those topics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really the difference between um, adding another thing that you have to do to your to do to do list towards like really shifting your your identity. Um, but before we talk more about that, I'm curious. Um, the past three years in your studio, you started with a certain online program, and then with, with retreats, but more and more people started asking you. So how did you kind of realize that you wanted to do the course specifically around how to design your day? Is that because people asked this question to you or you saw the most struggle? I mean, struggle sounds negative or the most challenges around this specific topic? Mm, yeah, it's because there are parts of this program are also inside the 28 days program. Uh, and there, so it resonated a lot with people. And then there was still a gap. Like, okay, I have all these insights on how I'm in my own way and how to do it differently. And I made, started making changes. But 
really redesigning my day-to-day um, it was like a, a gap uh, of knowledge there, uh, which we didn't share or, or tools. Um, and then I started experimenting with that. So in, in December with the group who did the, who joined the 28 days, I added a lot of elements that were later in the, the design your day course. And it was really cool to see the effects of that. And that they were saying like, I've been doing every day, these stretches that you shared and this workout and I feel so good. And, and I was like, that's so nice. You know, I wish more people could do Why not share this in an online program? Yeah, no, I see. And um, um, if you look back at your own experience, so you mentioned that um, uh, you're used to kind of designing your day, but also in the course, uh, you talk about your uh, burnout. And you also share how you designed your day in the past. And what I liked in the course is that you say 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., how you feel. Yeah, so hungry, tired, stressed. Yeah. So you have kind of a mood uh, tracking yeah and then you redesigned it um how um yeah what has been your process on your let's say in your own life until you realize this is really relevant i want to focus my work on this because in the past you worked on corporate innovation and maybe yeah. you were thinking about those things but it was not let's say your offering to the world yeah exactly yeah it was just for myself yeah so it's um yeah i think it's i've always been fascinated by um Maybe it's because I'm naturally lazy, let's say, fascinated by how I can do my best at my work, like be most productive and effective in what I do. Um, and being stressed definitely doesn't help. You know, it just leads to um, people make more stupid decisions when they are stressed. Um, so that doesn't help. But also when you're hungry or when you're tired. Like it's easy to get into a conflict with someone who's hungry and tired. So it were these basic things that I was was applying. And then I took it to a broader level, like uh, with the mood journey, saying, you know, there's so many things I do in a day just because I think they're normal, <laughs> but not necessarily because I feel like doing them. Really simple things like having lunch at 12. That's 12 a.m. That's uh, in Holland, very common to have lunch at 12. I was never hungry at 12. I was always hungry at 4. Uh, so then I would also eat at 4. And then I would eat double, let's say. And then in the evening, I would still have to have dinner. So, um, and moving to another country, so moving to another culture, definitely helped to question a lot of those things as well. Uh, I mean, there in Greece, no one has lunch at 12. People have lunch at 3 or 4. And then I felt really good doing that. And then I just skipped dinner. So I just have breakfast and dinner. I thought, yeah, this feels good. I'm, I'm satisfied all day. And I sleep way better because I don't have to digest a heavy meal, you know, just before I go to sleep. Um, so that's for me. I just, I always, I'm always fascinated about learning about health, about how food influences us, how um, breathing influences us, movement, um, how you can be more focused. And then just to um, try it out, see if it works for me, because, uh, you know, that's enough. Like, I don't have to dig that deep in why it's like that. Uh, I want to know a bit because I'm curious. But then if it works for me, you know, for me, that's enough, like, because I only focus on me. Um, and then I do that and then it sticks because it feels good. 
Yeah. And that's a big shift for me because before I would always push myself towards goals um, instead of just doing what feels good. Yeah, so that's, yeah. A, that's a huge difference. So I like the, the fact that uh, your geographical shift has enabled you to put things into new perspective. I've also experienced this the past two years where I've uh, left Amsterdam, lived in a few different places. And you also mentioned in your course that in the Netherlands, I mean, I'm also from the Netherlands, there's a, uh, in some offices a drinking culture, right, on Friday afternoon. Yeah. But then you started shifting it instead of drinking on Friday night, like preparing your weekend. Um, yeah. And how has that shift uh, been for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that example was coming from, from my own office. I was, uh, because I was part of a Dutch company, um, the, the Greek office was part of a Dutch company. So we introduced, okay, Friday afternoon drinks at the office. And um, my team was a group of amazing people that were really healthy. And they were like, okay, so we have to plan now that we're going to drink on Friday. Like, can't we just let it happen spontaneously? And they said, like, if we feel like. Uh, so the planning part they didn't like, but also the drinking part they, they they didn't want to drink, and I also didn't want to drink. So then we said, okay, let's do other things then to connect because it's <laughs> so easy to do it differently. Uh, so we organized other things to do, and uh, we sometimes invited a guest speaker, but we also did uh, a yoga. <laughs> one person, one person in the team was also a yoga teacher, so. Um, she taught something and then another time someone else taught something of their expertise so like the sharing circles was really cool but also one time we went to a place it's amazing if you're ever in Athens go there it's called the anger room and you go there and you can smash TVs and other things with a with a baseball bat and with an axe you can choose your weapon you go into a room with the two of you, her two, and the others can watch it, and you just have to smash all the items that are in the room. <laughs> that oh, that's room. cool. <laughs> so the anger room. You stop drinking, you start smashing things. Yeah. Uh, that's nice. So you can lose your anger after the work week. Yeah. Yeah, work yeah. Week. yeah. Yeah. So that's, and that's, for me, it was uh, very nice to be in an environment where drinking was not expected of me or people knew me as someone who drank a lot because yeah. then it's it's more a discussion like what are you going to have what do you want to drink and say oh I sparkling water and they're like ach no like they say in Holland uh, ongezellig yeah. but there it was uh, it's not that Greeks don't drink but the environment I was in there the people didn't drink uh, my friends yeah. didn't drink so and I I lived 40 minutes outside of Athens so even if I would go out I would still have to drive home. So that was also a good reason not to drink. Mm. I see. So that, um, uh, yeah, so the geographical shift helped you to change your uh, habits and then you can also get more out of your weekend. For me, it's a bit similar. So if I look at my own past, I had my pattern was like maybe five coffee in the morning, afternoon, a lot of work, also feeling tired at some point in the afternoon and then yeah. drinking in the evening. And at some point when I started working on my own, especially in the beginning, I had financially stressful times. And then I started the habit of having a drink in my own in a bar after work. Yeah, I was living yeah. in Amsterdam city center. But in the beginning, you're like, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, on a Tuesday, I have a beer and you talk to strangers. But at some point, it started um, entering my, um, uh, my schedule. 
so coffee, work, alcohol. I mean, this sounds very simplistic. Of course, my life was a bit more than than that. Uh, but for a long time, it has been a bit my pattern. Yeah. But it took quite a long time to change. So the alcohol, as you know, I removed a year ago, which has been pretty amazing. And uh, coffee, I've uh, quit a few times already in the past. But now when I entered your uh, course and WhatsApp group, I quit it immediately. So that's another benefit when you join a course is kind of the the uh, starting point again, right? You can yeah. choose to... Um, yeah, exactly. And it's accountability. You share it with other people. You, you can celebrate with other people if you quit something. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's really cool you, you're able to, to try that again and not to overthink it, just and focus on how it, how it makes you feel. And how do you, how do you yeah. feel now without coffee? <laughs> I feel much better because it uh, literally gave me anxiety, um, a bit stressed, you know, meeting, coffee, meeting, coffee. And I also realize when I'm like that, sometimes I receive an email and I res respond, you know, quickly. Uh, so I definitely feel much better. And um, it also makes me feel empowered that I'm someone that is uh, able to not do that, you know, because when I was doing that, I was not so proud about that part. Um, so it also feels makes me feel more powerful, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with, you know, with anything if if it makes you feel good. But if it doesn't, it's uh, really powerful to say, you know, I don't need it. Um, I like that difference a lot. When I quit drinking um, alcohol or certain foods like sugars, I remembered when I first said to myself, I'm not allowed to. Mm -hmm. I don't have alcohol. I can't have sugar. I, I started to rebel against my own rules. I don't know if, uh, if you can relate to that. Yes. yes. Um, and I noticed when I said, I turned it into, I don't need it. When someone offered it, I said, I don't, I'm okay. I don't need it. That felt so relaxing. Like, <laughs> it was so true. Yeah, I don't need it. You know, yeah. I don't need alcohol to have a good time or to, to relax. You know, I swim in the sea in the morning. In the morning, I'm relaxed. You know, I don't need to relax. <laughs> to, yeah. to alcohol to relax. Or so. So that felt really empowering, and and it's funny how uh, I loved also the conversations I had about it. Also with friends who, who visited me in, in Athens, friends from the Netherlands, and then it was Friday afternoon. And we would go to a beach uh, bar close to my house. And then they say, ah, let's order a bottle of wine, you know, and uh, do you want two? And I'm like, I'm okay, I'll just water. And then the friend lit up a cigarette and she's like, don't you think it's a bit obsessive, you know, that you're, you're not drinking? Like, you can just enjoy and relax, right? <laughs> and we had such a fun conversation about that because, because you know, I was relaxed. I am enjoying it. And, yeah. and it's actually the other way around. Why do you need a cigarette and a glass of wine to relax and enjoy? Yeah. Right? yeah. What in your day is causing you stress, which you don't address, which causes you to need those things? And if yeah. you would redesign your day, you wouldn't need it. <laughs> you know, and that, and that I think it, it's also nice to be able to, to laugh about that with friends and to see like, what in our society we've coined normal and what we coin obsessive. Yeah, yeah. Now that resonates with me because then people say it's obsessive or it's extreme. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, I don't feel like that. Um, and I start to see that when I, whenever I share it, I don't share it proactively often. It's more reactively, you know, when I order something, people notice. And you start to notice that a lot of people want to make 
uh, these changes too. Uh, so yeah. that also makes me motivated to continue. And another question I have is because uh, you're you have a degree in I think psychology and behavioral science. Is that correct? Yeah, organizational psychology and behavioral science. Organizational psychology and behavioral science. So with behavioral change, it often takes a long time until you're really annoyed by yourself or someone tells you, like someone that you care about tells you that you're like maybe should change something. And from my experience, it can be both uh, things. It can be me that wants to change or someone else that reminds me. But why does it take so long before someone actually uh, is motivated to take a change? And can you share a bit about that process until, let's say, you decide to make that change? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think the answer is it's multiple ways. So, Because for some people, it is uh, a fear of letting go of the known. So you have a known pain, a known frustration, but you feel more comfortable with that than an unknown relief. So mm-hmm. you say, your ego says, no, stay here, it's okay. <laughs> you know? so that's for, for some people, it's, it's this, okay, I'm struggling with it, but at least you know, it's a habit, it's comfortable, I stick with it. Um, for some people, it's what I said before, like not allowing yourself certain things. Um, uh, so we have some limiting beliefs or some judgment. Like uh, if I stop drinking, then I'm this health freak or something. You know, that's this funny uh, belief <laughs> to have. We're able to let go of those. That works. And I think it's about making it more simple. Because mm. often we make it way too big in our head. For example, stop drinking alcohol. I have to drink alcohol and stop it. You know, I can't have one drop. And I'm going to do it for six months or... Whereas if it's just when I'm offered a drink, I'll just check in with myself how I feel and if I prefer to have the drink or something else. And then when you listen to your, your body, you check in and you feel, oh, actually, I would like, I'm quite thirsty, I'm like water or something, you know, then, you'll cho- then it's a matter of making choices by being connected to yourself rather than having this strict plan. Same is true for... for um, working out more and some people a lot of people do this earlier than i used to do this too make a crazy schedule okay i'm gonna go to the gym then and then and then and uh, <laughs> you can do it right and then you start enthusiastic the first two weeks and then at some point you're like yeah but this is not really realistic and i don't have time for this always um and then you stop it again and it becomes this big thing like i have to change that whereas you know finding more movement in your day finding mm-hmm. more ways to move in your day uh, is often way easier I mean, just doing 10 minutes of exercises in the morning just to activate the body and to make sure everything's active and flowing and you, um, uh, so you burn more calories because your muscles are activated but even while you're doing the dishes you know you can do squats you know, mm-hmm. more or less. so you could while you're you're waiting somewhere you could you could fit it in it, and it doesn't have to be big, like just doing 10, 20 minutes of day of, uh, per day of movement has so much impact on your, your health and your body. Like I was surprised by that because I used to be this extreme person 10 years ago. My roommate, she still knows but I, I would go to the gym and then train like an hour and a half or two and then only have juices the whole week. You know, this <laughs> 
weight would go like six kilos down, six kilos up, and and then I'd be like, no, I'm done with all that shit. I'll just have kebab or I don't know. I, I was just going all over the place, like really rebelling against my own system. And when I moved to Greece, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to have a routine, 20 minutes. I'll do every day from, that I can do from anywhere. It's been seven years and like 80-20 rule, I do that almost every day. So, uh, and my weight has been the same. And it's funny, someone asked about it the other day and I thought, ah, oh, that's funny. It's not even a thing for me anymore. It's not something I think about, like gaining weight or losing weight or, because it's just, because it's a ha- simple habit that I enjoy doing. It's like boring. It's the same thing every day, but I like it. You know, that it's boring. I don't have to think about it. And it has, and it works. And it's just 15, 20 minutes a day. Yeah. It works amazing. So that's for me, uh, I think for a lot of people uh, might be a breakthrough, but that was for me personally, that I made it too big. I made it yeah. too complex. And just making it small and simple and integrated into your day is way more effective. So it's around making it smaller and simpler, but also uh, in your course, you mentioned the power of words. Yeah. So how you frame it, uh, maybe in your own mind, but are you also how you speak about it uh, to others? So one example you gave is the uh, "I know so" instead of "I hope so." Yeah. Uh, can you elaborate on the power of words? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's it's I think especially when it comes to changing habits, it's um, it's often we say I, I I really have to try, or I would really like to, or <laughs> I should maybe one day do something, but it's not going to happen. When you say I choose to, it's different. In your body, you feel it's different. It's almost like um, you know, there's this seven-year-old kid inside yourself. And when you say I choose to, there's already this excitement, like it's going to happen. When you say mm-hmm. I should maybe next month try this, there's already disappointment because it's probably not going to happen. Um, and, and, and there's been a lot of research uh, on that as well. Uh, on, on Daniel Hoffman, his book, um, he writes this, this power of creative tension. And he says, you should always frame your goals as I choose to. If you want to change something, say I choose to. And make it small, make it specific. So you will do it. Mm. Not I try to, you know, or I want to, or would like to. No, I choose to. I choose to wake up at 7 a.m., and do 10 minutes of movement. Yeah. I think it's very powerful and um, um, how do you um, uh, see uh, the following that, for instance, for someone like me, I'm quite decisive in many areas of my life and I apply this technique in in, um, certain areas, like I'm going to do this, I choose to, or sometimes I even write um, maybe how something will be in a year and then often it happens. But for instance, for the morning routine, so one of the things that I got out of the course is that's a desire I have. Uh, but I find it more difficult to implement, uh, still waking up with my mobile, then skipping it. 
So why is it difficult for people um, to, to use this power of words, even though in other areas of life they might easily do it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's related to what you said before, the words, the difference of I know so or I hope so when it comes to, to habits. It's, it's like, do you hope to wake up that hour or do you know so? Meaning, are you taking the measurements, like the, 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 are you taking the actions needed to make it happen? So if you want to wake up without your phone, when in the evening you have to go to bed on time and the phone shouldn't be next to the bed. And then you know tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're not going to have that happen. So that's very <laughs> relaxing because it's tiring when we have to think about, oh, are, am I going to do that? Am I going to be not too tired at the end of the day to still go to the gym? That costs a lot of energy thinking about that stuff. Um, and, yeah, we can be very successful in, in our work to be very committed to our work. I think a lot of people have that they're really busy, they're very focused and committed to the work, but they don't take care of themselves first um, because they have this conviction that I have to, that's more important. I have to attend to that. That's right. If, if, you're, if, if it's your own company or your boss plans it in your agenda, then it's like non-negotiable. But the things for ourselves, it's like, yeah, but when it fits, it will, you know, it, it's not <laughs> nice. It's not kind. And at some point, the body starts resisting that because, because we're neglecting ourselves um, because we're focused on something else. And, it's, and, and, that's, and that's sad because, I mean, I, I, I'm also someone who, um, you know, as an entrepreneur and as someone who's passionate about my work, I can get sucked in easily. I can and and just forget myself and put myself last. So designing my day really helped me to put myself first, so that I'm better at what I do, and it's sustainable. That I don't have these ups and downs or periods where I'm very productive and then collapse and then have to recover a week and and stuff like that. So so yeah, it, it, I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, it does. I think um, um, it's also connected to the, the triggers and ego modes you're talking about and pleasing and proving that people yeah. can be very focused on work, but maybe the underlying thing is maybe wanting to prove themselves uh, or myself and then not taking care of your yourself. So how do you see the, the triggers and ego modes and um, uh, pleasing and proving part? Uh, yeah, it's it's about getting uh, design your day is about getting your priorities straight. That's actually what it's at the core. I think that's what it's about. Uh, and when we are proving and pleasing the outside world, we're putting that first, whether it's work, other people, and um, if we think really simply, like what's really really important in your life, like which people, uh, your health, your health without your health, you have nothing right nothing else happens if you're sick in bed or you can't get out of bed then money has no value relationships have no value your work collapses so health is very important and then your relationships but also what you want to learn in life how you want to develop yourself or express yourself and um, designing your day is like an invitation to get clear on what are those priorities for you and then hold yourself accountable for designing your day in alignment with that. And that sounds more simple than this, but it's also not so difficult. 
and it's mm-hmm. a matter of practicing. But uh, and it's a uh, practicing. I mean, letting go of those ego modes. So mm-hmm. practicing in a situation. If someone asks, "Can you meet tomorrow morning at uh, 8 a.m.?" and you're actually like, uh, "Yeah, I was actually going to work on a proposal or a presentation, focused, you know," and and then not please the other person and say yes, but say, "What about what about 4 a.m. at 4 p.m.?" That work for you, right? And it's small things that can be challenging, or, or for example, asking for help. Some ego modes is like you have to do everything alone. You can't ask for help, which means you always have too much on your plate. Which means you know you can't take care of yourself first. So sometimes to unlock that, it's it's about asking for help, and we can practice that too, in very simple ways. Like for some people, and I think that included me uh, in the past, and it's still sometimes a challenge for me. But um, to start really small, like, can you pass me the salt? (laughs) (laughs) Just small things to to practice those modes. And uh, the same as as proving when someone in a meeting says, who will fix this? And your first reaction is like, I'll prove I can do it. Right? To be like, okay, can I actually, do I have the energy and and focus and time to to make that happen? Or am I just... Overpromising now, I'm trying to prove myself, mm-hmm. and then just sit, do nothing, and wait if someone else says I'll do it. Well, I I think it's interesting. So the pleasing and proving is um, th- these are mechanisms that are uh, often present in a lot of things that you do, and I think the opposite parts aren't they wise and bold? Did I remember that correctly from one of your slides in the course? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, um, so the the when we unlearn proving, there's more space for our wise self. Mm-hmm. So instead of proving to the outside world, we're more like centered with ourselves and um, listen more than we speak. With the pleasing, if we let go of the pleasing, we can be honest. So there's truth is underneath there. It's like when you're instead of pleasing and trying to make it all right for everybody to just say how you feel or just say no <laughs> when it is no right? and that like can be a challenge for me also I, I easily want especially in in uh, like my uh, close relationships like family or or, or, or uh, love I don't want to disappoint the other person so I'll sometimes promise things that I know, I, I won't make happen, right? So that that has been a journey for me also of letting go of that need and learning that taking space for me allows other people to take space for them. And it's like a good thing, but that's something I have to remind myself of. It's not like it goes yep. away, you know, magically, but some in some moments I don't have it at all anymore. And sometimes it pops up and that's okay. And just to be aware of it and remind yourself sometimes you get a smacked in the face and you get a reminder. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do around, let's say, to avoid pleasing family or friends is in Europe, we, we plan a lot ahead, let's say a few weeks or a few months ahead. But for instance, Latin America, where I'm now, maybe it's a bit more spontaneous. Yeah. So I've learned to really uh, say more, oh, thanks for the invitation. I'll decide in the moment if I can make it. Um, and if you start applying that, it saves a lot of, it's, it's frees up a lot of time, let's say, in your agenda. Uh, so that worked for me. 
And um, I also, but I think maybe you've experienced the same, let's say at a project level, to be more critical if you're going to start entering something. Because let's say once I start to engage a very small project, let's say someone says, hey, do you want to take a look at my business plan? It can easily take up a few hours Then I'm taking a shower and thinking about it. I'm doing some market research. So even though it maybe sounds like a small thing, it easily becomes more, right? Yeah. So yeah. that has been uh, relevant for me. Yeah. Um, and um, um, another topic. Go ahead. Sorry, it's funny how that adds up. We think add something small, but it's with every yes to something, it's like unconsciously a no to something else. And I'm also someone who gets easily excited about stuff. And I really have to, um, what I do is like, I'll say, okay, I'm excited, but I'll let it sink in. I'll wait for a few days to see how I feel. And then sometimes I, re and I, I push myself to, to question, okay, what does that mean? What, what am I saying no to? Um, mm. If I say yes to this, and that's helped a lot because, yeah, it's, focus is rare, right, in our, our day and age. Yeah, no, I think focus is, is rare in, in our day and age. And um, uh, I come back to the broader meaning of what you do in a second, but I had one other concept I wanted to talk about of your course that I liked is the uh, starting and finishing your day ritual. So there's the 5 a.m. club, and then you say maybe we should have a 9 p.m. club where we yeah. prepare our days in the evening instead of we have to wake up so early. Yeah. But the morning rituals, I've read a lot about, and um, I also saw jokes online that nowadays every celebrity se seems to pretend to have a morning ritual, but it's questionable whether everyone actually has it, right? Everyone talks about it. But let's say a ritual to finish your day, I, I heard less about in the past. So why does that one also matter? And I'm asking also because I find it sometimes difficult to really say, okay, now the day has finished. I put away my, my phone and now I'm going to read the book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's an issue or challenge for a lot of people. I mean, especially after COVID and a lot of people working online or, or if you're an entrepreneur, like you could work forever. <laughs> it doesn't end. <laughs> and uh, also social media, the phone uh, help. Uh, activates us even more to feel like on that we're always on and uh, this dopamine rush that makes us feel so active so um it's very important to have a unwinding ritual to, to like close the day or or uh, for example one um one woman in the program she at the end of her day like she has a, the alarm and then um at 6 uh, 30 or something she goes for a walk Mm -hmm. so she just goes for a walk around uh, um, Amsterdam um, um, and just to call a friend or, or just to listen to music and to like end the day like that. And then when she comes, she said like when she comes back home afterwards, she feels much more relaxed and um, uh, not in this urge of, uh, I'd say it really feels like, okay, end of the day, now I'm going to cook. Mm -hmm. Whereas before she would like close the laptop and still think about ideas and then continue the thinking and I think now cooking, no, I'm, I'm a bit tired to do that. So I'll just take away some food. I'll watch a movie to relax. And that was for her really a big, big change. So I think yeah, the evening is important and sleep is important. That's why I said the 5, 5 a.m. should be a 9 p.m. club because if you go to bed at 12, you shouldn't, I mean, in my opinion, and 
science shows as well, you shouldn't wake up at five. So like you, you need a certain amount of, of sleep. And the restorative processes work between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. at night. So it's important to sleep before 11 to get the most out of that regeneration at night. Um, and I think that that should be hyped more, getting enough sleep mm. rather than, okay, I woke up at 5 a.m. And you can yeah. tell if someone does a morning ritual every day. I mean, people are calm, centered, focused, relaxed. You know, they, they you can you can tell if someone does that or not. And yeah. I think that's the most important for yourself that you can tell. Um, the days I don't do that, I'm more chaotic. I'm less clear in my mind, in my words, in what I'm doing. The days I do uh, have my morning practice. I'm more focused, more energized, and I believe my own thoughts less. That for me is very important. Mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I I recognize that even today I woke up, I meditated um, uh, 10 minutes. So as I said earlier, I mean, I booked a hotel for this podcast because my previous place didn't have a good Wi-Fi. But then I still had to organize a few things last minute. So um i started a bit uh i mean not too stressed but a little stressed um but sometimes you you want to do things perfect but life is full of surprises right and then suddenly you're in you're in a podcast um but no i think i agree you can see um when people take let's say a morning practice you can feel they're they're very balanced um I have a question around, let's say, the broader meaning of your work. So oh, you're promoting. One thing to add to that, like when you say, because when you say really balanced, I think it's very important to highlight to be balanced that day. Because it's yeah. not as a person, you're always balanced or something. No. Right? And it's like, and it's so good to, to point that out that also for myself, I have days where I don't do that. Like you said, and then I maybe take a minute to take a deep breath before a session. But then some days I'm, I'm more nervous. I'm, I'm less centered and that's okay. But then the yeah. next day it's like a new day, you try again and then you feel good and then focus on how it makes you feel and use that as a reason to do it again. But don't I judge yourself good... for being balanced or oh, I'm not that kind of person or something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's a good, good uh, addition. Um, but I agree, it can change uh, per, per day. And I think that's a, that's a good addition. So you promote uh, prioritizing uh, yourself uh, first. You also promote um, involving nature in your decision-making. Um, you also promote how to say that you should not feel guilty about taking a rest. But what, what do you feel is the, uh, the broader meaning of your work? Because uh, now we focus on one individual uh, one day. But what is the broader meaning of your work? Um. Yeah, I think it is to find more freedom and uh, joy in your day. And uh, that's very valuable for individuals, but also inside uh, organizations. Like when we, we allow people to design their day um, instead of deciding for them where they have to work five days, four days, whatever, at home, at, at the office. But just allowing people to design their day in a way that they can do their work at their best but also have time for other priorities so they feel good um uh, and be more productive i think is very important and 
with all the challenges that are facing a lot of organizations, the one thing you need is, is people that have the mind space and the agenda space to handle those challenges. And that's why I think why Design Your Day is, is so valuable because it empowers people to, to do exactly that. Mm. I think that's beautifully uh, uh, said. And are you more passionate about the individual or the organization? Because you studied organizational science and I think you work with both. <clears throat> Or is this question not, is, is it yeah, too much? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's it's important that it's, um, I notice how much it benefits people. So that gets me excited to spread these principles of on purpose more uh, and design your day specifically. Um, and I notice now it's also, you know, uh, companies are interested in applying this. And I think it should be the norm where you like, design your day is, is the norm. Um and for me personally, it doesn't matter. I love this this in the uh, group of individuals, this on purpose, this design your day tribe, which is now eighty-seven people in there, and like half of them are in the WhatsApp group. And it's really nice to to connect and to um, hear how this program is benefiting them, and also the body system they have in between them. I think that's so cool, and to grow that tribe and maybe host other events around that. Um, and at the same time, you know, if, if we could apply more of these principles at work, it will have so much impact. So, yeah, I mean, that would be cool Both. too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're um, uh, you're onto something because it's really a practical solution to increasing well-being of individuals and uh, organizations. And if someone is listening and they want to apply this to their own life, I mean, we touched upon a few different concepts. I mean, I picked the one that I found interesting or useful. Um, so by the way, what it brought me is uh, I quit the coffee and I've increased my exercise significantly. I would say now two, three times a week. And I've mainly um, changed it in my mind. Whenever I'm in doubt, I'm more like, hey, let's do it now. Yeah. Because maybe late, later today, I don't have time <laughs> or spontaneously something is added to my agenda. Yeah. So it's really sickening when I'm in doubt. Okay, let's go now. Um, and I've increased my awareness that the morning routine and let's say waking up with tech is still a bit of a thing, uh, but that's a starting point. But if someone is listening um, and they want to start, like how would you summarize the practical steps uh, towards designing your day? And is there, let's say, step one, two, three, or is it different for everyone? Yeah. Yeah, I think for everyone, really yeah, cool to hear how it's, it's um, what you've taken from the, the program and really powerful to turn your moment of doubt into a moment of action. So, mm. yeah, really cool to hear. And um, I think for people to design your day, it's allowing yourself to, to prioritize yourself, your health. And this is very important. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it, that's why it's a ten modules course. It's not a one one uh, one solution for everyone, and there's different steps wherever you are. But if there's one thing, I, w one step is prioritize yourself. The second step would be uh, uh, allow yourself to rest, to not prove, to not compete, just do less in some mm -hmm. areas. <laughs> Like it's okay just for a while you you disappoint people if that make helps you gain the energy you can to make things happen afterwards and thirdly do one thing in your day 
that brings you joy. Just small, something small that makes you happy, whatever it is, if it is, uh, you know, being outside or reading a book or uh, dancing on some music or playing with the cats or, you know, whatever it is, um, cooking or just something you do by yourself that you enjoy and do that every day. And if you can uh, do it with other people together, great, but don't count on other people. Make sure you do it every day by yourself to enjoy. And uh, I think that's a really important one to have the energy and excitement to make changes. Mm. So step one, prioritize yourself. Step two, allow yourself to rest. Step three, do one thing daily that sparks joy. Yeah, that's it. That's that's beautiful. That's a that's a great summary. Every time I meet someone, I'm invited to grow in some area of my own life. Yeah. Um, so I have um in the beginning I had a podcast mentor. I hired her for four sessions uh, to help me get started. And she said the nice thing about podcasting is you're really challenged to grow because you always meet people that are ahead of you in certain areas of, of life. So this has been uh, very nice uh, also for me, nice experience. And um um, my last question is, um, if people want to engage with you practically, like uh, what do you have at offer, but also maybe in the short run, uh, when is your next retreat or your next program? Because maybe they get excited and they want to uh, to engage with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I share a lot about the things we talk about on LinkedIn. So if people uh, want to, if you follow me there, then uh, you... Uh, hopefully get inspired by uh, doing things like this around design your day um there's the design your day course you can start anytime it's an online course you can do it at your own pace and uh, you have six, six months access to the online environment and every month uh, every last sunday of the month we have a live gathering where we meet with people that's optional but you can join that anytime and it's also only 111 euro because i thought it's just important that it's accessible to, to anyone and some of these principles we also apply, of course, at our retreat. So this summer, um, we're going to have one more retreat. And then uh, 31 of March to 4 of April in 2024, we're going to have uh, another retreat. But yeah, you can check it on the website to see all the dates and options. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing. I think uh, this is it. So to all of those who have listened, I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, see you soon. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>